today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We had this shared redemption in Jesus. We worshiped the same Jesus, and we were all born of God. We all have the same story. And that's what's beautiful about the body of Christ. He goes on here in verse 2, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. There are only two types of people, those that are born of God and those that are born of the devil. Today, Pastor Dan will be teaching you the characteristics of those that are truly born of God. If you have love for the Lord and you have love for those in the church, those are traits that only children of God have. If you continually disobey God's commands and hate the church, those are attributes of a child of the devil. Jesus makes it clear that there's no middle ground. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 5 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Zechariah 9.9 tells us that the Messiah, when he comes, uh, he will come uh, riding into Jerusalem as king on a donkey. Below your king comes to you, lo, your king comes to you, uh, riding upon a donkey, bearing salvation. And of course, Jesus fulfilled that on Palm Sunday in his triumphal entry as he comes in. He's described in Isaiah 53 as the suffering servant who bore our sins, who bore our iniquities. Psalm 22 describes his crucifixion. His hands and feet are pierced. Uh, Zechariah 12, 10, they will look upon him whom they pierced. It's hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented as a form of execution. And it describes the piercing of hands and the piercing of feet. And, and of course, we could, we could go on all day uh, with this. But the Old Testament is filled with passages describing the Messiah who was to come. Jesus said all of the Old Testament scriptures testify of him. You find Jesus on every page of the Old Testament. And John says here, he says, someone born of God, someone born of God will believe that Jesus is the Christ. They'll believe that he's the Messiah, the Savior that God sent into the world to save mankind. Someone born of God, someone who's truly a believer in Jesus Christ, someone who's truly born again and has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and testifying to the truth of Jesus Christ, uh, that person is not going to think any less of Jesus Christ than that he is the Savior of the world. Uh, they're, they're not, that person's not going to say that Jesus was just a good teacher or that he was a rabbi or that uh, he was, he was a, just a prophet or that he was a revolutionary, or, or anything less than Messiah and Savior. That's the testimony of Scripture. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at verse 1 again. He tells us another characteristic here of someone who is truly born of God. 
It says, And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Now, the New Living Translation simplifies that for us. The New Living Translation says, Everyone who loves the Father loves his children also. So that's another characteristic of someone who's born of God. They love others who are also born of God. And and as you know, John has said a lot to us in this short letter uh, about love and love being kind of just this simple test of whether a person is a believer or not. Do they love others? Do they love one another? You know, we saw back in chapter 3, for example, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brethren abides in death. And so our love for other believers, our love for one another is proof, it's evidence to us that we truly are born of God. Uh, If you look back in chapter 4, verse 20, at the end of chapter 4, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. John's very blunt, remember. He's an old guy, right? He's in his 90s. He's not worried about offending anybody or hurting anybody's feelings. He says, if you, if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're a liar. You don't know the Lord. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brothers, his brother also. So someone... Um, who is born of God can't say really that they love God, but they, they hate their brother. You know, they can't say, I love God, but I hate that guy. I'm not, I'm not really pointing at you, Mark. I'm just generally that empty seat. But you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, you know, how, how, can you, uh, how can you hate someone that is created in the image of God? How can you hate someone uh, that God loves? And that God sent his son to die for, that God shed his blood for, and how, how, can you, how can you say that? Someone born of God will love everyone who is also born of God. And, and to, me, uh, to me, this is one of the most beautiful things about the body of Christ. This is one of the most beautiful things about being part of a, a church and being part of the church, you know, the, the church you know, around the world is that we love one another and that we have this, this love for one another. And that's really kind of our, uh, the thing that we have in common. You know, the thing that we have in common is that we're all born of God and that we're all sinners saved by grace and that we're all redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that, that's what brings us together as a church family. That's what brings us and connects us with you know, other believers elsewhere uh, around the world, that we all have this common redemption through Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we can be so diverse uh, and different in every other way, but our common ground, our, our shared experience that unites us in the family of God is our salvation in Jesus Christ. And that transcends race, and that transcends culture, and that transcends education, and that transcends your background and your even language is this shared redemption that we have in Christ. You know, when we were in Israel uh, last month, uh, one of the places we went to uh, was this church called uh, St. Anne's Church. Uh, and it's a Crusader-era church, and it's, 
and it's you know it has these giant stone stone building and it's high ceilings, uh, and church groups go in there because of the acoustics of the building, and you can go in there and sing, and you go into this building and there there are people from all over the world there, and each group just kind of takes a turn singing in their native tongue, and so as you sit there, people will sing in different languages. And they, they worship Jesus in their native language. And then some other group will stand up and they'll worship Jesus in their native language. And then your group stands up and you worship in English. And it's, and it's just this, um, it's just beautiful. You could sit there all day. And we were there, I think I shared this already, but when we were there, um, there was a group in there from Brazil. And they were leading in Portuguese. And at first, the first song they were singing, you know, none of us knew. Uh, but then the second song they sang was the song Worthy is the Lamb by Michael W. Smith. You know, the song, Worthy is the Lamb. You know, want me to sing it in Portuguese for you? you know, but, but as soon as they started singing it, every church group that was in there recognized that song. And everybody started singing it in their own language. And all of these voices lifted, worshiping the Lamb who is worthy of our praise. And there's people singing in Portuguese and English. Our tour guide, uh, his native tongue was Arabic. He was singing it in Arabic. And there were other groups that spoke. Other. There was a group there from Africa, and they were singing it in some African language. And just all of these voice, voices worshiping the Lamb together. Every tribe and tongue and nation, right? And the thing that connected all of us was Jesus. The shared redemption in Jesus. We couldn't even communicate to each other. But we had this shared redemption in Jesus. We worshipped the same Jesus. And we were all born of God. We all have the same story. And that's what's beautiful about the body of Christ. But he goes on here in verse 2. He says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So he tells us another characteristic of someone who is born of God. He says, you, you can tell if someone is born of God or not by their attitude toward the Bible. By their attitude toward the Bible. An unsaved person or non-Christian sees the Bible as burdensome. They see the Bible as a list of rules you have to keep, a list of do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts. And the Bible just constricts your life. And, and, uh, and they, they resist it because they just see it as all of these rules for them to follow. Or some people get around that by cherry-picking the Bible, right? You know, and by that I mean that they, they, uh, they agree with certain parts of the Bible and the parts of the Bible they don't personally agree with. They just, just dismiss those parts of the Bible, right? Thomas Jefferson did that. Uh, Thomas Jefferson did that literally. He took a razor to his Bible. He cut out the verses that he didn't agree with. It's called the Jefferson Bible. You can buy a copy of it today. But that, that's creating your own God. You know, instead of accepting the God that is revealed to us, now you're, you're creating your own God. You're the one who's in the place of God at that point when you're the one making all of the, the rules. You can't, you can't cherry pick the Scriptures. And so you can, you can tell sort of where a person stands with the Lord based on what their attitude is towards the Bible. And, and what is the attitude of a person who is born of God, a true believer who has experienced God's love and forgiveness? 
They cherish God's word. They love it. They love his word. They, they, don't, they don't see it as a rule book. They see it as a love letter. Right? That, that God reveals himself to us through this, this book. You know, the longest chapter in your Bible is Psalm 119. It's 176 verses. And the whole chapter is about the Word of God. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. The psalmist that that wrote Psalm 119 loves the Word of God. If you're familiar with Psalm 119, then you you probably know that it's actually an acrostic. Each of the uh, sections of Psalm 119 begin with a different Hebrew letter. Uh, It's actually a very kind of uh, uh, complex um, document, the way that it's written. It's, it's not the kind of thing where the, the psalmist uh, in, who wrote Psalm 119 just started you know, pouring out their heart on the page and just kind of writing things. It's something that the psalmist carefully crafted, uh, technically, because it's so complex in the way that it's put together. You know, C.S. Lewis said of, one, of Psalm 119, it is a pattern, a thing done like embroidery, stitch by stitch, through long, quiet hours, for love of the subject. And the subject is the Word of God. And and in that psalm, you see the psalmist's love for the Word. And he tells us over and over in Psalm 119 that he loves it. He says things like, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Now think about what he's saying there. That was, you know, the law of Moses was the law of Israel. It's what they lived by. And he's saying, I love your law. I meditate in it day and night. How many, how many of you here have meditated on, you know, the uh, traffic codes of Howard County or our laws? None of you. But that's kind of what the psalmist is saying. Oh, man, I love your law. I think about it all the time. I meditate it. Day, meditate on it day and night. He says elsewhere in Psalm 119 that, that your law is my delight. I delight in your statutes. It's not, it's not a burden. It's my delight. He says, uh, your word is the rejoicing of my heart. The rejoicing of my heart. In verse 103, he says, how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth. The Word of God. The person born of God loves the Word of God. 
desires to keep His commandments. doesn't mean we always keep His commandments, but the desire of our heart is to keep His commandments. We delight in His Word, right? You know what that's like. You know what that is. You know, to sit in the morning with your Bible and a cup of coffee poured for me. Let me start my day with thee, right? And you have this cup of coffee. You've got the Word of God. And you just sit there alone with the Lord. And the Word of God just to begin, it begins to speak to you, right? You guys know that? That experience, right? A person who's born of God loves the Word of God. You know, John chapter 14, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And God showed his love for us by sending a son to die for us. We show our love for him by keeping his commandments, by obeying his word. And what, what, what does Jesus command us to do? John 13, 34, Jesus said, I am giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. That's what he commands us to do. Just love one another. That's not a burden. You know, it's not like he says, do a hundred push-ups and a hundred pull-ups and a hundred jumping jacks and run a hundred miles. No, then we're like, whoa. He says, I want you to love one another. <laughs> That's what he commands us. So someone born of God will keep his commandments. They don't see his commandments as a burden. They delight in them. That's a sign that you're, you're born of God. And then finally, verse 4 For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The person who is born of God overcomes the world. They have, listen, they have a victorious Christian life. They do not have a defeated Christian life. They have a victorious Christian life. They overcome the world. You know, if you look back in chapter 2, uh, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So again, he's being very blunt with us. He says, if you, if you say that you're a Christian, but you really love the world more than you love God, the love of the Father is not in you. And he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We're not to to love the world. A person who is born of God has overcome the world, it says. You know, before we were saved, before we knew Christ as our Savior, it says that we walked according to the course of the world. We just followed the world. We were under its power and under its influence. But then the Bible says that Jesus chose us out of the world. And he called us out. It says in Galatians that Jesus gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And so someone who is born of God has the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. He's been called out of the world. You know, that's what the word church means. Ecclesia, the called out ones. We've been called out of the world. And the person who's born of God now, uh, we have a new nature. We've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And so, listen, we we don't have to walk around defeated. We don't have to walk around beat down by the world. 
are in bondage to our old sins. Our old man was dead and buried with Christ, and we have newness of life. Jesus died on the cross to set us free of all of that stuff. Right? Boy, that was lousy. Yeah. Man, you're free. You're free of your old man. Do you remember your old man? Remember how sad that guy was or that girl was? How pathetic? And Jesus Christ died on the cross to set us free from that old person and to set us free from worldliness and carnality and bondage and sin. He died on the cross to give us victory over all of that so that we have this new life in Christ where all of that old junk passes away and everything's made new. Everything's made new. And so the, the, the person who is born of God, they're not still back in the bondage anymore. They're not still back in the worldliness and the carnality and all of that old junk that defined them before they came to Christ. If you're still the same person that you were before you claimed the name of Christ, something's not right there. Something's not right. There should be a transformation that takes place in your life. You're, we're talking about you passing from being spiritually dead to made alive in Christ. We're talking about someone being dead who's made alive. That's, that's a significant change in a person's life, no matter who you are. And so for somebody who uh, names the name of Christ, but they're still walking in worldliness and car- carnality and bondage and sin, and there's, there's no... A distinct change in their life and their behavior and the way that they live. John's saying, you're not really born of God. Because a person who is born of God has a victorious life. By faith, he says, in Jesus Christ. He overcomes the world. Doesn't mean we live a sinless life. Doesn't mean we live a perfect life. But it means that we are free from the chains that used to hold us down in our old life. Before we knew Christ, those old things pass away. We, you know, John told us that we aren't yet what we will be, back in chapter 3. That one day we'll be like Jesus. We aren't yet what we will be, but we aren't who we used to be either, right? Jesus Christ has set us free from who we used to be. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest Christ. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, 
You'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize